0: Following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA network.
1: Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. CWN Oliver.
2: A- My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast.
1: Now get on the Train.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with a very, very special guest this evening. And also I'm here. With as usual, California. How are you, Carl? I'm good. I'm. I'm so excited for tonight's chat. Um, I just can't wait. Let's get into it. Yeah, and as usual, uh, we are in conjunction here with the uh, WCAA Network. As usual, you can check out uh, all of the uh, podcasts on the network, as well as uh, all of the links for the audio podcasts on uh, Anchor FM, or otherwise just go onto Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Other than that, we do have a very special guest tonight. We do have former WWE superstar, as well as a motivational speaker and um, the forefront of his own uh, anti-bullying campaign. Uh, we have marvelous Mark Merrow with us tonight. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Uh, today hey where you guys. are
1: actually.
2: Thanks for having me. Good to meet you guys. Yeah, awesome, man. Uh, it's great to meet you, too. Um, you know, it's actually, I saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, sorry, a few weeks ago when I contacted you, one of your videos on Facebook, and I hadn't heard of you or seen what you'd been doing for years, and uh, so I was actually really pleasantly surprised to see that you were doing uh, motivational speaking and doing some absolutely awesome stuff around the world. Now, some of the videos as well were very touching, as uh, you know, as we briefly spoke, uh, bullying in schools in particular is a very, uh, it's a very touchy topic uh, being through it, uh, pretty extreme myself, so... Uh, It was awesome to see that, man, and it just felt right to sort of get in touch with you to be able to sort of have this conversation tonight and uh, be able to really just, um, you know, just kick back and talk with you ourselves and uh, really see what goes on in the mind of uh, Mark Merrow in uh, 2020. So, uh, Carl, I'm going to throw it over to you, man, and uh, we'll get started. Cool. Thanks, Jack. Um, Mark, uh, first out of the gate, I just wanted
0: to ask you, were you always a wrestling fan growing up? You know, it's funny that you
1: asked that, because uh, my dad actually took my, my brother Joel and I to wrestling matches when we were kids, and uh, man, I mean, this is back in, uh, you know, Bruno San Martino it was champion, there was uh, uh, Chief White Owl and Bobo Brazil and The Chic, and you know, growing up, the cool thing was, is growing up watching these guys, then later on in life, getting into wrestling business myself. Meeting them in person when we went to the city that they lived in, they would come backstage and say hello to the boys in the locker room, and it was like you know re- re- reliving a childhood memory I had of seeing them wrestle, and it was just so cool to to actually meet them in person because it was like they were bigger than life when you were a kid, and to this day I still have many of their autographs. I had a little autograph book. We'd wait for them to come come out after, and they'd sign you know their name on a little this autograph book i still have to this day is so
0: cool that's really cool man um so is your dad that took you to the wrestling and all that stuff um I, i read uh uh just tonight that um growing up when you were eight years old your parents got divorced um my parents got divorced when i was uh five years old um so i just was interested to know how that affected you at that age
1: well, it's so detrimental because you don't, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand. I never really saw my parents fight or heard them fighting. I didn't, you know, it was just a really strange thing that um, I remember coming home from school and seeing my dad's car parked in the driveway after school was unusual because my dad would work until around dinner time, you know, and come home, we'd all have dinner together. And his car was there early, so I was excited to see my dad's car there early that day. I remember running in and, into the house and my mom was, In in the living room and she had her head buried in her hands and she was crying and I was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And I I just remember my mom lifting her head saying daddy's leaving and I mean I didn't you know eight years old think about how young you were when your parents got divorced. You don't really understand and I ran into my mother and father's bedroom and there was my father packing his suitcase and I just remember just you know just begging my dad not to leave and uh you know, unfortunately, my my dad left, but he didn't leave my life. I mean, my dad would pick us up every Sunday, and we would do things with my father. And of course, he got remarried and and had a family. And my mom eventually got remarried, and I had a new little uh, brother. And uh, so it was, uh, you know, it was it, it, it all worked out fairly well. the The only hard part was is that we 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 moved into one of the worst drug and gang infested neighborhoods. We were so poor, and that was really when I understood the The part about, you know, how people treat each other and how I was treated as a little boy, uh, being that my mom would buy a lot of our clothes, like at garage sales and things like that. And, you know, you had second, third hand clothes on and kids would mock you out or pick on you and bully you. And I'll never forget that feeling. And I, I always thought, you know, now I have that opportunity. I understand what kids go through. And I think that's blessing. through my struggles. I really found my strength. And I share that with students, man, that were not defined by someone else's opinion. And it's really helped a lot of kids, man. And I, I got so many kids that, that that follow me on social media that write to me and you know, they go through their ups and downs in life when, you know, one moment they're living the best life, they're happy, and then something happens and they're they're writing to you about, you know, a, a, something sad that's going on in their life and you, you try to help the best you can, you know?
0: Yeah, that's great, man, I I, uh, I mean, I went through it too, and it was very difficult for me to understand what the hell was going on because it was just so confusing for me. But um, it's great that you could take that uh, lesson that you learned at such a young age and and, uh, teach kids today on how to get through it. Um, I think uh, as I was like helping prepare these questions tonight, I could see all these things that you did as a young person playing hockey. Um, You obviously became a, a Golden Gloves boxer. Um, but I, I can, I'm imagining that you've probably been asked about that so many times. Um, but were you always athletically gifted and, and did you always, you know, find yourself heading towards, uh, doing sports in your adult life?
1: Well, you know, I never thought I would be a professional wrestler. I mean, I always thought, you know, it's, it's amazing because hockey was my first love. I loved hockey. and I wanted to be a, a professional hockey player. And uh, the, the problem was that I was spending more time in the penalty box getting into fights. <laughs> so in the offseason, I would go to the boxing gym and, you know, hit the bags and just become a better puncher, you know. And, um, and, and then I decided that uh, I met the, my, my eventual mentor and trainer, Ray Rinaldi, and he said, well, you know, why don't you, why don't you, let me, let me get you a fight. And I thought, sure, you know, and next thing I know, I entered the, the golden gloves and I won that and won another <laughs> tournament and then I actually made my way to the USA boxing team. So it was an amazing journey. Then I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to go professional in boxing. And I turned professional in boxing In two weeks before my first professional boxing match, I had my nose shattered in an accident Uh and I needed reconstructive surgery. So Uh in that time off, now my whole life was, you know, hockey, football, boxing. I never had like off seasons because I was always training for something, you know? And when I broke my, when I got, when I got my nose shattered, it was the first time I could remember, like I had this free time. I couldn't do anything. So I had to take all this time off. And it was in that time that I started thinking, I never got to go to the parties. I never got to hang out with my friends. never got to go out drinking. never got to get have fun. I just started hanging out with the wrong people, man. And But I always thought, you know, in that time off, I could have come back in a year and I'm going to be champ of the world, man. And hanging out with these people, getting involved in drugs and, and, and alcohol and I remember kept thinking I'd be drunk at parties, thinking I'm coming back in one year and I'm going to be champ of the world. Right. One year, became two years, two years became four years, and four years become ten years of my life of drug addiction. And right. and I thinking now, here I am, thirty years old. I mean, you know, what, where am I going at thirty years old? And I remember getting a job. I was building swimming pools, digging swimming pools, pretty much, you know. And uh, it was at that time that. Um, we were at my apartment and I had a bunch of friends over We were, and, and my buddy was flipping through the TV channels and he landed on professional wrestling. Now me thinking I've always been an athlete, you know, and and I was always in pretty good shape. I go, and I just remember saying, man, I can do that. And my buddies busted out laughing. They go, man, look at the size of those guys. They would pick you over their head and throw you right out of that ring. I said, no, I'm serious. I can do that. My buddy says, mark you're 30 years old what do you do start a pro career now and it just put in my mind man I'm gonna give this a shot so I found out where there was a wrestling school and it was the Malinko's um you know Boris Malenko had sons Joe and Dean Malenko, yeah who were Joe. pretty you know famous wrestlers themselves and um I remember uh, uh going to his school it's about it's about a an hour away from where I live so I drive there after work and on weekends and it was only a year later that I, I, I signed a contract with WCW Wrestling because of Dusty Rhodes. He, he saw me and thought I had potential and he started that character, Johnny B. Bad. And my whole life changed, man. It was, an, it was an incredible journey. And then making it you know to the pinnacle of wrestling, getting into one of the big organizations, you know, and then eventually going to the WWE and achieving this amazing financial stability in my life. But then going back to the same bad choices. You know, no. party life, hanging out with bad, you know, the wrong people. Um, you know, get, get got addicted to cocaine again. It was like just the worst period of my life. And then going through a divorce, and my life just spinning out of control. And then losing my little brother and sister. They both died at 21. My mom died at 58, which the video's viral. And my dad died while I was holding in my arms. So losing everything, and all of a sudden, you're this horrible depression. Now, who would ever think that going from the pinnacle of, of having everything, being a, a multimillionaire to losing it all, and then starting over again in this depressing place in my life, think never thinking that this is the place I'm gonna be able to help millions of people. Never, never, you don't know, get depressed and goes, man, I can't wait to get out of this and help somebody. You think, I don't even wanna be here anymore, you know? Yeah. And then now looking back on my life and thinking, wow, I wouldn't have changed a thing in my life knowing that I've had such an impact on so many people. Every day I get, I get about at least a hundred messages a day. And most of them are about how uh, a video or my presentation or something I said on social media or something changed or even saved their life. So knowing that what I had to go through has helped somebody else, I would never change a thing.
0: Absolutely. Um, I I was actually really interested to hear what it was like training with the Malencos.
1: Oh, you know what? I got to tell you, uh, the, it was mostly the dad, Boris Malenko. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with yeah. their dad. He was a very popular wrestler. He was a great, great heel back in the day, you know? And um, I mean, it, it was, you know, here I am, very kind of overconfident, thinking, you know, wrestling, I'm going to go. I was a boxer, football player, hockey player, you know, I was a tough kid. And I remember. It was getting in the ring for the first time. Um, I had to do something like just cross your arms, just fall backwards in the ring. It's kind of like, okay, you know? And of course, not knowing how to fall properly. <laughs> I sound like a sea a seal from SeaWorld. I'm like, eh. <laughs> <couldn't even> <laughs> oh my gosh i thought wrestling was fake <laughs> it was a uh, really I, I and then and then hitting the ropes over and over you end up uh. with black marks on the side of your, your your ribs here and uh so i learned very quickly to respect it and uh and, and boris malinka was a great teacher he was a one he's a wonderful person too um, very sad when he passed. Uh but he and now, you know, to this day I'm I'm very good friends with 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 his son uh um uh Joe. And um and, and Dean, I don't see that much, but Joe has come out to my presentations when I've when I've traveled to Tampa and that's how we became uh, really close.
0: Oh that's really cool, man. I'm glad that you're still in touch with them. Um over to you, Jack.
2: Yeah, uh, so you mentioned about your uh, initial tryout uh, and also being noticed by uh, Dusty Rhodes. So tell us the story of uh, that tryout uh, with WCW when Dusty Rhodes well, it, um, had noticed you.
1: It wasn't really a tryout. See, what it was, I was living in Venice, Florida at that time, and yep. and you and I met these guys at the gym that were um, um, they would they would drive to Atlanta to be enhancement guys, you know, jobbers they would call them, I guess, you know. And um, they would get paid, we get paid $150 to drive nine hours there and nine hours back Jeez. to get beat up on, tel- on national television <laughs> by one of the superstars in WCW. So I decided to go with them. And, and, and there's a bunch of guys that come from all different parts of the country that hope to get picked. Yeah. And I was in good shape, had a pretty good body. And I remember uh, they chose me and another guy to wrestle Doom, uh, Butch, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. They were the yep. tag team champions at the time. And of course, it was just a squash match. They just kicked our butts, you know. And I remember I, I, I messed up some spots or something. You know, I was so green; I didn't even know what, what that guy was doing. And after the match, they said uh, Dusty, Dusty needs to see you in his office because Dusty Rhodes was the booker back then. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh god. And as soon as I walked in, I go, "Listen, Dusty, I'm really sorry about the match." He goes, no, "No, no, 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 it's nothing to do with the match." He goes, "Kid, anybody ever tell you you look like Little Richard?" <laughs> <And> I'm thinking. <laughs> Little Richard. Now I'm thinking he's talking about a wrestler named Little Richard. So I said, I don't know who's little Richard. He goes, Little Richard, you know, a bum boba a a loop bap boo, you know. And I'm thinking, (laughs) you know, oh, the singer. I go, no, no one's ever told me that. He goes, I think I got a gimmick for you. And I mean, here I am. I'm just starting out. I'm thinking, oh my God, I may sign a contract with WCW, you know. So next thing you know, um, you know, they they I did a few more. Job matches or squash matches uh next week was like I wrestled Sid dishes, which is all over the internet where he puts me in a in a, in a, a stretcher and it clothes lights me out of the stretcher <laughs> you know it was like horrible. <laughs> uh, but he was a great guy, you know, and uh so anyways, to make a long story short, they took me off t v but I was thinking i mean i I'm really broke in my life i'm you know I'm making like twenty grand a year digging swimming pools, you know i'm broken yeah. and, and um Uh, I I, I wrote Dusty a letter saying, you know, hey, can I come back at least do jobs while I'm waiting to do this Johnny B. character? He goes, oh, no, I don't want you back on television. I want to keep you off TV for a little while. And next thing you know, they called me for television and they had um, 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 Marlena. Remember Marlena? Yeah. Um, She she was the hairstylist for WCW at that time. She wasn't an on-air talent. Or she was. She was uh, uh, Alexander York. That's it, yeah. Long time ago. So she would like, so next thing I know, they put me in this makeup chair, and she does all this makeup on me, my hair all poofed up. And and next thing when she spun me around, I'm like, oh, my God, I do look like Little Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Dusty Dusty Rhodes, it was his blueprint. I mean, he saw something that no one else has ever seen. And the best part about being Johnny B. Bad was that I got to go to the matches early, because Dusty always wanted to work with me on my on how I talked, how I walked, how the character, how he saw the character. And Dusty was a very flamboyant character himself. So the best part about being Johnny B. Bad is watching Dusty Rhodes be Johnny B. Bad. He walked <laughs> to the ring, he goes, I'm so pretty, I should have been born a little girl. He goes, now you do it. And I'd be laughing so hard at him, you know? So we had the best time, and he'd say, "Oh, hush, Johnny." I say, "Oh, hush, Dusty," (laughs) (laughs) and then hug him. You know, oh, those were some of the best times, you know. And then teaching me, and then it was so funny because when I would get it down the way he saw it, he'd be go, "Oh, that's just amazing, man!" He'd be, "It's what he always saw me do." And so eventually, I really, you know, here I am, some somewhat speaking at schools too, and one of the questions kids would always ask me is, why do you wear all that lipstick and makeup? So I asked Dusty, do you mind if I take the makeup down? He goes, oh no, no, it's part of the character, man. So as you guys know, anything about wrestling was they have, before you go out to the audience, there's the curtains. It was called the gorilla position. Yeah. It's where you, you wait before you go out. And Dusty would be sitting there with a monitor and he would be watching the matches as the booker. And, I would come up there getting ready to go out for my match and i didn't have makeup on and look at me and go, go back and put color on right now you know so i'd have to hurry and the and and eyeliner and everything you know and then I'd come back and go out well little by little i would just soften it up more and more and eventually <laughs> just kind of gave in to me and said you know what let's make the character more of the you know, it was like a combination of Muhammad Ali and Little Richard. We took it more to the Muhammad Ali side of it, you know. And that's where the, the kick your booty with my Tutti Frutti came <laughs>
0: That's great. It was
1: a combination of Ali <laughs> and Little Richard, you know. So it was, it was just a lot of fun and just the best memories. I mean, you know, going to the pinnacle of wrestling, the WWE, I mean, it's like you, to, to really say you made it is going to the dance. The dance is WrestleMania. You know, so yeah. it was like always that dream of getting to the dance and finally making it there. But I would never, the Johnny B. Bad character was by far the, the most fun I ever had in the business of wrestling. Being, you know, wild man Mark Merrill, Marvelous, Mark Merrill, there was no, no comparison to the fun and entertainment it brought as being Johnny B. Bad.
2: Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of fun uh, back in the early WCW days, especially because, I mean, you go back and you look at the roster, it was stacked do you have any uh, sort of uh, fond memories or any particular stories of some of the people from back then? Uh, say, um, I don't know, Carl. Who you you know early WCW more than I do, man. I'm. Oh I'm well, you years old. <laughs> A Few guys you know. around there, you know. You got Sting. You got you got.
0: Uh, the craziest Dusty thing. Arn Anderson. I,
2: I'll
0: tell you a, a kind
1: of a, a cute story. Was uh, you know Rick Flair was with us too, and uh, now one of the guys that I watched on television, obviously, was Rick Flair, and you know how he used to. He used to put his hands out, and you go to grab, him then he go, "Woo!" You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now here I am wrestling Ric Flair. I'm like in the finals of this European Cup or something. I, I it was in tournament in Europe, in uh, Germany, Dresden, Germany, and I'll never forget it because it's my first time wrestling Ric Flair, and I was so nervous because it was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm wrestling Ric Flair!" You know, yeah. my idol growing up in, in the wrestling business. You know, and so. Backstage, you, you always go to the, your, the person you're wrestling with and go, so what would you like to do? And, and Rick was just, he's like, don't worry about it, man. I mean, like, just tell me what like, would you, spots where he goes, brother, I just call in the ring. I'm like, i was so nervous because, you know, it's like I always knew exactly what I was going to do. You talk right. to the guy, he'd say, I'll throw you off, drop down, leapfrog, whatever it is, you'd memorize it, you know. And now here I'm going in not knowing anything other than the finish of the match. And I was so nervous and it was the most fun, easiest match because everything, okay, well before I get to that part, so we start the match out and he does this to me and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to grab his hands and as soon as I went to grab him, he goes, woo!
0: And it was like
1: deja vu it's like now i see myself in my living room watching him on television And it's really <laughs> the ring, you know it was so cool you know but anyways you know he did all his typical moves you know you you throw him into the turnbuckle he flips over he goes along the the apron you clothesline him on, on the apron you know and he did and he made me look like a million bucks and so i know the finish is the figure four leg lock right so he gets me the figure four leg lock and of course i'm gonna tap out but what he does he says oh no 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 not yet not yet reverse it on me so you know you spin over next thing I got yeah. him it was so, it was like I got Rick Claire in the thing I didn't know
0: how
1: put oh. on, he put it yeah. so I knew I just had to stay in it and, and, and turn him over you know and now he's like fighting you know the to figure forward eventually he turns me back over and and I have to tap out you know and that was it you know but man I gotta tell you when you you know when you got to the arena you didn't always know who you were going to wrestle that evening for television, you know? And they have a big blackboard with all the matches that were on there, one through, whatever it was, eight or ten, or whatever, how many matches there were going to be. And whenever you saw your name in Ric Flair, you're like, oh my gosh, a night off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> an Easy night. As opposed to some guys, when you saw your name, you go, oh my god, this is going to hurt.
0: <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, Man, real. You know what's
1: funny that you, you mentioned that about memories is that Someone just posted on Twitter, and I, I actually retweeted it. It was a match between me and Ricky the dream It was me tag team with Ricky the dragon Steamboat against um, a stunning Steve Austin and uh, Lord Steven Regal. You know, this is back, you know, in WCW yeah. days. I mean, I'm I think there, like I've had thousands of matches. You don't remember them all, but I'm thinking. oh my I don't remember i was actually tagged with ricky <laughs> the dragon's <display>. oh, Wow,
2: <laughs> the all-time
1: greats in wrestling you know And i think about the, the guys that i wrestled or tag team with you know um that i never got to wrestle like i i tag team with um Bret hart with with sean michaels but i never got to wrestle against them you know mm. and it was just a joy to be in the ring with such you know i don't know i guess i look back at the time i was in the wrestling industry it's probably the greatest time there ever was. I mean, when you look around our dressing room I and mean, I got to the WWE, I mean, there's Ultimate Warrior. There's, there's you know, um, Bret Hart. There's Shawn Michaels. There's Triple H. There's Undertaker. There's, I mean, in the WCW, there's Sting. And I, I got to be with some of the greatest wrestlers in the history of wrestling. You know, so I look at the time I was there, the Attitude Era was probably the, the best time. I mean, I wrestled... Stone Cold Steve Austin and King of the Ring, you know, and had an amazing yeah. match with that guy, you know, I, I love, and I mean, think, I think about the guys I wrestled the most, there's three guys, okay, that I probably wrestled, maybe 200 times each, you know, first of all, Triple H, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, because we were, we were both in WCW and WWE together. So we had lots of runs together. And then, one Of the guys I wrestled over and over in WCW, probably every single night for the longest time for a couple of years, was Diamond Dale's page, who's one of my awesome <laughs> best, best friends in the world, you know. And uh, you know, and that and he was so much fun to wrestle because he was the most intense guy you ever wrestled. Like, you'd, it's easier to be in a regular fight than sometimes wrestling DDD, you know. <laughs> we, would, we would beat the heck out of each other, you know, but we, yeah. we were. So we were so close that there was never like animosity or like, man, you really hit me too hard or something like that, you know. But funny story about DDP was he was so intense, like DDP, at that time, he was very uh, new to wrestling and he always wanted to have the best match, which God, got to give that guy credit. He was the hardest worker I've ever seen. I'd go to the the power plant with him and work out matches or work with him and stuff. And he was so intense, we were doing a pay-per-view together. And next thing I know, my, I'm sound asleep, and it's like three o'clock in the morning, and the phone rings. And I said, Hello? And he says, Hey, Batman, it's DDP. I go, hey, What's up, man? You okay? He goes, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just got a spot I want to run by you. Go,
0: what? Good <laughs> morning. And he
1: goes, You know, when you throw me off and I drop down, and then you, when you leapfrog me, and this, I'm like, Else, hey, it's three o'clock in the morning, you couldn't wait. Because I just was, I had to tell you about this spot, man. I've been thinking about <laughs> But looking back on that, as pissed off as I was at the time, I look back as the, it's everything he stands for, how hard he works, how much he loves to help people. And and we always had a great match. I mean, I think about our matches, man. We, we really, if you look back on some of our WCW pay-per-views, were yeah. some really good matches, man. You know, for two guys that were fairly green. I mean, remember, I got in the business and I, I, I only... I went to school in 1990, I had my first contract with WCW in 1991. Now, next thing I know, I, I, I didn't know his, his Ric Flair, was, or his Aaron Anderson would like, say he didn't know a, a, a wrist lock from a wrist watch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And Iron was one of the funniest guys too. Um, it, it's like, so here you are, so green, don't even hardly know what's going on in wrestling, and you wrestling sting. You're wrestling Ric Flair, you're wrestling, yeah. you know, you're, you're in there with the Road Warriors or, 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 or Ron Simmons or, you know, the top guys in the world. And they're all treated me so, so professionally, you know, and, and, and guys that really took the time to help you out that aren't always talked about, you know. Um, uh, Raven, back then he was Scotty Flamingo, you know, would help me every night. Um, Steve Regal, uh, Ricky Morton. I mean, guys that would take the time and show me moves and the psychology of wrestling. And because I was so new, it was like kind of laughable to see me wrestle. But I eventually got to one of the most improved guys out there, you know, for hard work and going to the power plant, my off days and trying to become a better, wrestler not just a flashy character, Johnny B. Bad, but learn how to do some moves. And next thing I know, I'm doing these crazy moves off the top rope and, and, and you know, doing athletic moves that were really cool
0: absolutely i remember seeing some of the stuff like you know you're a bigger guy than the cruiserweights that you would see later on and you're doing head scissors takedowns and you're doing shooting star presses off the top rope and it's really quite impressive for someone that was bigger than the usual lightweight wrestler um and one thing I wanted to say about DDP and yourself is I see a lot of parallels where you got into wrestling at the age of 30 and I think he started training at like 35 or something like that <laughs> yeah <So. laughs> yeah we, we always had this
1: running joke that he always had to top me and everything you know I was working the year at, at at 31 and you know he goes and Wins rookie of the year at 35. You know? so, he's like always got to one up me, you know. And you know, to this day, oh gosh, this is so funny, guys. We are in competition. The, the, the DDPY, I do the DDPY, you know. And, and so one of the things he does in DDPY is the 10 second push up. Well, it's really a 30 second push up because what it is, is let's say you start from the top and it's 10 seconds down, you hold it for 10 and then push out for 10 seconds. So altogether, one rep is 30 seconds. Okay.
2: Right. And hard. so
1: me and DDP have this competition where we go against each other. Now, now we go head to head, you know, with this push-up where we're looking at each other in the eyes. This is how competitive <laughs> it is, right? So the first time we did it, it was, I mean, this is back in I'm guessing 2007, 2009, when they had DDP, it was called DDP for yoga for regular guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. YIJ,
1: yep. So he first does it with me and we both get, I can't remember the number. Let's say it wasn't a lot. Let's say it was like six, just to throw out a number. I don't remember what the number was. And we both like get six, okay. And we're looking at each other and he goes, brother, I'll call it a draw if you're ready to call it a draw. Like he gave me my out because we were both fried at this point, right? And I said, no way. So we go back down and now over to 10 and then go to push out for 10. And I couldn't lock out my arm, so he beat me.
0: Now done my
1: mind forever, Okay. So now fast forward to 2019. I go to I have been prepared for this man. I go to his TDP. <laughs> Studio there, and I stay with him. Well, I always stay with DDP when I'm in Atlanta, you know. So I'm staying overnight with him, right? And he goes tomorrow morning, so we have this competition, right? And I finally beat him, man. Oh, Oh, great! But now, now I've created a monster. Now he's like, now see, he he just doesn't settle, okay? So now he's like, (laughs) I'm a bitch, and he's uh, now he's really starting training more for his DDP, the 10 second push up and now a few months later i go back and now we're up there though we're up in the tens you know what i mean we're we've got we've got this we we can do push-ups for five or six minutes straight without stopping that's a long time right Right. And uh, so now he he beat last time he beat me i think he got uh 10 or 11 and i got nine or ten i can't remember but we were nose nose again but he doesn't realize that i am above 12 now so when i get back he you know he went through (laughs) a A health scare recently talked to everybody the COVID, you know? Yeah. So I, I was in Atlanta uh, last month. I couldn't go see him because of COVID. And we were going to have our competition. And so I have now gotten myself in such good shape. So uh, I'll wait till he comes back from getting healed from the COVID and, and uh, let him get his numbers back up. But we will always, <laughs> we will be old bastards in our 80s competing for something stupid. You know? And when we train together in WCW, it was always, like, uh, the Stairmaster push. It was sit-ups. It was uh, hanging bar crunches. It was always something we would compete with. So it is – and it's this amazing friendship that has fun compete. Like, basically, I'm, like, happy for him. but it's, like, in my mind, I want to get it back, you know?
0: <laughs> um, I actually wanted to ask you a question about um, the uh, the – you know, you're looking like little Richard. Did you ever have an excited fan come up to you, asking for a signature and say to you, I love your music.
1: Absolutely. I, I was <laughs> so many thought that I was little Richard. It was really strange. You know, you know, one thing that happened just recently now, you know, little Richard passed away a few months ago. Yeah. And, um, and I always wondered what he, cause they, they had pictures of him holding up my poster at like a concert. And he right. said, you know what? They say he's pretty. He's not as pretty as me. And he ripped rip up the poster, you know? <laughs> so I always, I always wondered, did he, did he enjoy the character? Well, something happened recently. His driver contacted me and through social media. And really? said, hey, man, I, I drive, you know, Little Richard passed on, but I, I was his driver. And I, I want you to know something. He loved that character. He thought it was the funniest awesome. thing, you know? So to That's hear true. that just made me, because all these years, I always wondered, was he... You know, I mean, they say that um the best form of flattery is imitation, you know, yeah,
0: and,
1: and um, so I always wondered if he enjoyed it, and I was so happy to hear that that he really, really enjoyed the character, so that was that was
0: something great uh, that's me. great, uh, after all these years, you know, you don't have hate with little Richard, that's good no, that's awesome. <laughs> <never> that. <laughs> um i uh I was like doing some research about you today, and um so that you'd work with Cactus Jack a little bit. I just wanted to know what it was like working with Cactus Jack back then because he was, he was pretty uh, intense. Hmm.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I mean, the funny thing is, like, I got to wrestle Cactus Jack as every character. Yeah, <laughs> Mankind, Dude Love, you know, uh, uh, let's see, there was, well, there was there, there again, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, Mankind, Dude Love. So I wrestled all those characters, but you know, um, it, it, not taking nothing away, he, he's one of the legends in our industry, you know, but I think our I, I was just very green when I did wrestle, and I remember that I probably screwed up some of our matches, you know, and uh our our styles were so different, like he was more of this brawling you know, and so i I wasn't able to do some more of my my high flying things i i can 't remember exactly but but I remember that you know it wasn't as probably as good as he would have liked it, you know, I was just honored to be able to wrestle that guy and, and what he does. For charities and kids and people today is just, man, he's another one. Just like DDP, loves helping people. And I got so much love for that guy.
0: Yeah, he is a saint. He's a great human being. Um, Incredible. Uh, So uh, you're in the company in WCW from 91 to 96. You're featured quite prominently. You win the television title several times. You're a star of the future in WCW. What were your hopes and dreams back then for where you wanted to go in wrestling?
1: well obviously everybody wants to be a world champion you know of course. and i i really hope that you know as i'm learning and getting better in my matches and stuff i had some wonderful matches with some of the guys there with ddp with uh, flying brian pillman you know one of the yeah. classics i had with him and um so i was really hoping but when when the when the offer came from wwe and my contract was up with wcw and um and they matched each other's amount and everything, and, and WWE gave me a big signing bonus. I was one of the first wrestlers to ever get a guaranteed contract with WWE back then. Yeah. And it opened the door for many others to get guaranteed contracts. But I wouldn't go unless I got that guaranteed contract, a big signing bonus, and I wanted my, my wife at the time to fly everywhere I flew. In other words, I didn't want to, I watched too many guys go through divorce. I thought the only way that I'm going to save my marriage is she's going to travel with me and be a family on the road, kind of, you know, but, yeah, and and then I saw it. I remember the time saying to uh, Vince, I said, you know, when he agreed to that stipulation, which was unheard of, you know, no one brings their wife on the road, you know, not even thinking that she's going to be part of the show. I said to him, I go, you know, what about having my, my wife, since you've got to pay for her flights anyways, why don't you have her be my valet? And he goes, no, no. He goes, let's just, let's just worry about you. And so when they sent me my, my plane ticket to fly to uh, Stanford to sign my contract um, and meet everybody and go with the, with the creative team, <clears throat> there was only one ticket. And I, so I called Vince. I said, hey, Vince, there's only one ticket. You, you have to fly my wife too. He goes, to sign a contract? And I said, she goes everywhere I go. And that was just part of the deal. And he agreed yeah. to it. So he fl- flies me and, and Rena, Sable, who eventually became Sable, to, to uh, we fly to New York and, or Stanford. And, and um, when he sees her, he goes, I got to put her on TV. I mean, just, <laughs> she's beautiful, you know? And that's how the whole thing, so then we got to choose the name Sable. And that's how it all started as her being my valet and eventually becoming a,
0: a, a superstar herself in wrestling. Absolutely. I remember when I first saw her on television, I must've been maybe 12 and I'd never seen a woman that looked like that before. So it completely changed my perception of women because it was like girls at school. Ew. But then all of a sudden I see Sable, this beautiful woman. And I was just like, it kind of made me a man almost like I, I all of a sudden saw this beauty in women and I now really wanted to be around girls a little bit more. Um, I was wanting to say that uh, I was actually a little bit late to us getting on the podcast because I was watching your tuxedo match with Steve Austin. I just podcast a couple months ago and
1: you know, we 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 had a great time talking, but you know, it's better after the podcast. We we stay on the phone for about forty-five minutes to an hour, just reminiscing about old times and and WCW because we wrestle each other so much, you know. And and then so, I don't know who came up with that idea with the tuxedo match that, that we strip <laughs> each other down naked. You know yeah,
0: I just thought it was hilarious and wanted to bring it up. We had a
1: we had a laugh about that too. I mean, it's just crazy that you <laughs> you got to be really careful because you don't want to. You know, there's a whole process to the match of taking yeah. off a, and a, a shirt and then a jacket or whatever it is. You know, that would have to come off in order to eventually strip the guy down to his wrestling trunks. You know.
0: Yeah, I just thought I just thought that you guys played it so well. You you made the drama of the match goes so well. You, usually you're used to pinfalls and submissions and all that stuff, but you, you're ripping off a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. I just thought the psychology of the match was really quite good for, for what it was. I mean, a tuxedo match. I mean, you you hear that and you're like, I'm doing what tonight? So. <laughs> yeah. um, Nothing surprised me, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to say something about
1: Steve Austin, though. Sure. One of the greatest ever with psychology, man. You know oh, something that I'll Steve say. did and I, I think I've said this on another podcast before, but one thing that Steve did that, that was really amazing about him is that he watched every match. Like, he would be at the curtain and, and watch everybody's match. So when you wrestled him, he already knew all your moves. He knew what you could do, what you couldn't yeah. do, what, you were, what, you, what, what your strong points were. And that's what made his his psychology was phenomenal. And, um, you know, and, and he's, he's a guy that, you know, we weren't even really close friends back then, you know, but now I consider him a... He's a friend, man. He's a great guy, and um, just so proud of where he's taken his career. You know, there's so many wrestlers that after their career ended, you know, ended up on hard times, and it's just so good to see guys that have continued to capitalize on on their their prominence in the wrestling industry, and then and even reinvent themselves and do new things in life. And Steve has done new things, and some so many guys have done great things. And then there's just the sad part of guys that haven't been able to, you know reinvent themselves or, 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 you know, through injuries or whatever was health issues or whatever, couldn't capitalize on the fame they had in wrestling.
0: Yeah, that is a shame. There's a lot of
2: them. Um, uh, back to you, Jack. Sure. Uh, you leave WCW after objecting to an angle uh, between yourself and Kimberly Page. Uh, what was the angle that made you want to quit?
1: Well, you know, um, arena Sable and I, we have a daughter named Mariah and, Mariah would see me on TV with another girl and it would really upset her, you know? And, I, and it wasn't like this big objection. It was just going to the office and saying, hey, can I just not have a manager, you know? Yeah, Brian, and, it wasn't, yeah. and it was blown so out of proportion, you know, that, oh, if I don't get this, I'm leaving. It was nothing like that. It was just a suggestion that isn't okay because they really thought Kimberly and I joked. Gel- I really like Kimberly. She's a great yeah. person and, and a friend to this day, you know? Uh, but it was just at that time, I really wanted to keep my family it, and not upset my daughter with me her thinking I'm leaving her mother because I'm with this other girl on television. Right. You know?
2: yeah, so it
1: wasn't it it was really blown out of proportion. And um uh so and in fact it's so funny that Mariah, she's coming to stay with me next week. She lives in Maine, but we have a we have a I have a granddaughter, Sophia, you know, Mariah's thirty. Two years old now, you know. Wow. <laughs> and so they're, they're coming up next week, and we're gonna do the whole Universal and Disney thing together. So oh. I can't, I can't wait. And uh, but, anyways, that was the the whole process of that. But it led to, and, and you know, when I look at the whole thing, how it all played out, I, I know Eric Bischoff was upset about it, and and then next thing, the WWE is knocking on my door with this big offer. WCW matches it. WWE offering me a big signing bonus, and then when they gave me i could travel with my wife and you know and, and and they were really thinking about putting the the world strap on me a, and when i first got there you know it was like right. I was really ill and i thought it was really going to take off and but it was very difficult going from the johnny b bad character to when they gave me this character wild man mark marrow my first thought is what is a wild man i mean I it looks like that. they're making it like i'm from a from a jungle because I, I remember in the, in the creative mean, Vince said can you do like a Tarzan yell? And I thought, (laughs) one thing I don't have is a strong voice. Like my voice is very um, scratchy, you know? So I can't yell loud. I don't have a loud yell. So I said, I don't think so. And when they showed me the drawings and everything, it was like, wow, I'm not sure what Wild Man is, so I never really connected with the character. Now Johnny B. Bad was easy because it was so opposite me. It was like, yeah. it was like playing a, this fun character that you're doing at a school play or something, you know. But Wild Man Mark Merrill was not. It was very, very difficult, and, and the fans didn't connect with it, you know. So yeah. it was very yeah. hard. You're doing all these great moves and matches, and and no one's really, but they're all they're doing is cheering for Sable. You know, walk in the ring with Sable, they're like, whoa, look at her, you know? So that's when I do this angle after I, and then shortly after I got there, I blew out my knee where I needed a total reconstructive surgery Mm -hmm. on my knee. And now I'm out for eight months. And that time they're using Sable to promote, you know, merchandise and things like that. And she's getting over bigger and bigger. The crowd's going crazy over. So then they asked, you know, can she wrestle? So I would take her to the wrestling uh, school and, and, try and show her moves and stuff. And we did just enough to get by, you know? She wasn't yep. someone who could take really bumps. She was, you know, kind of a fragile person. So, um, but she did the, She did a really good job for what we, she was called to do, you know? At least, yep. and then putting her with, with people like like uh, Luna and Jacqueline and Tori, who are unbelievable wrestlers, made her look like she's been in the business <laughs> for years. You know, it, it was incredible.
2: So, obviously, um, You definitely prefer being Marvelous Mark Mero over uh, Wild Man, is that correct Uh, in the end? Well,
1: well, Marvelous Mark Mero was just such a terrible person. I mean, the way I (laughs) treat him, he's the best. He was yeah, the best. Yeah, <laughs> so that was fun, you know, cause now you got the crowd just hating you no matter what. It's, it's okay, like, you don't want the crowd to hate you when you're wild man, Mark cause you're, you're a baby face, you want you want people to like you. So now it was like, screw you, hate me all you want now, you know? And uh, so that, that was that was fun to do and, you know, and, and it was hard, it was hard to, cause you see, the, the thought process behind it was, I'm gonna do anything I can to get my wife over. I mean, you're gonna be married forever, right? (laughs) So we'll make as much money as we can, you know, and just who cares if she's making it or I'm making it. And I was on a guaranteed salary. So I make the same amount every week, no matter what, you know. And uh, so it was just a matter of, um, uh, you know, doing anything we could to get her over. And I remember when I, Allowed her to sable bomb me, which I taught her how to do, you know. Yep. I remember I was gonna be going into a big run with Stone Cold, which would have been really cool, you know. But then when Stone Cold saw her power bomb me, he was like, There's no way if a girl can beat him up, what what, what, what you know <laughs> and I, and I, mm. I take bumps and I totally understood it. It was like, you know, totally get it, but it was it, it didn't matter because all I would cared about was they're now backing up the Brinks truck to our house. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, it's, we're making a lot of money and doing really well. And um, unfortunately, the, the marriage didn't work out and we went both in our own ways and life goes on.
2: Yeah, definitely, man. It's, uh, life does go on and it's uh, kind of one of those things. Do you f- sort of feel like being on the road uh, 24-7, um, sort of a tested and uh, real, was a real test towards that uh, marriage and relationship?
1: It was. I mean, there wasn't a lot of marriages that made it over the years in the in the industry. I mean, there's there's. I mean, you can probably count them on one hand. How many marriages really make it in that industry? It yeah. was very difficult being on the road all the time, and um, you know. And and I remember when I retired from wrestling, thinking, "Oh my gosh, no more 250 cities a year, oh, no more yes. traveling," and then. <laughs> I get into inspirational speaking and I'm doing 230, <laughs> 250 events <laughs> in 200, here I'm all over the country. I even went to Russia and spoke in Russia and Guatemala oh. and, and, and Canada and we're going all over the place. It's just crazy, you know. The only thing that slowed me down was this pandemic that we're, we're in right now.
2: So you say, this is a little sidebar. You say you speak Russian and Guatemalan. How many different languages uh, are you able to, wait, first of all, you ever speak those languages fluently? I don't speak any of those languages. I, oh, I just speaking, you
0: just spoke uh, English. English there. Yeah. But we had oh, right. we
1: had uh, interpreters. You know that. Oh yeah it. yeah. Yeah. So we had really good interpreters too. I mean, they were just very proficient at what they did because the crowd got it. It was like the same reaction as the United States. You know.
2: Yeah, man, of course, if they get the message, because I thought you just said then you were able to speak Russian and Guatemalan, I was going to be like, you're fluent in all those different languages. i like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, yeah, uh, of course, um, Marvelous Mark Merrow was uh, so great at portraying a massive jerk. Um, how did you feel about that change uh, from Wild Man and Mark Merrow? Um, of course, you feel like Wild Man wasn't you, but also Mark Merrow. Do you feel like um, Marvelous Mark Merrow was more the... Uh, more past side of you from when you were a, a fighter well, or from back in the day because of the similarity in boxing and things like that you know but yeah. I mean
1: I we, we, um Sable and I would work hand in hand with Vince Russo on the writing of what we wanted to do and and him knowing that I was you know was doing anything to get her over or whatever it would take you know it was it was actually kind of fun you know everything we did uh, from you know, the, the, the bikini contest that she did against Jacqueline. To we, this yep. was all part of a plan that we had. And it just kept getting you know, better and better. And it really got her over. So when she eventually wrestled um, Luna or Jacqueline in one of the big matches, WrestleMania, or whatever it would be, you know, it was just incredible.
0: So it really seemed like Vince Russo had your back and he really wanted to uh, nurture this story with you and Stable.
1: Vince was you know what everyone has opinions and stuff, and I read stuff, but you know what? I can only go by how people treat me and, and what I've experienced with with people and i I really liked Vince Russo I mean he was really kind to me, and uh you know and obviously he he thought huge of my my wife at the time and wanted to really get her over, so part of that getting her over was was you know squashing me down, but I was okay I was fine with it because like I said, we were married. And I'm, and I'm getting a guaranteed contract. So it's not like I'm making less money. If I'm not, even if I don't wrestle, I'm still making the same amount of money.
0: Man, like I don't care what anyone says, that was champagne television, all of that stuff in the angle. Like, it was just really good stuff. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. Like, maybe you didn't get the angle with Austin because of the powerbomb, but I remember when I first saw her powerbomb you, I jumped out of my seat. I couldn't believe that she <laughs> did that. So I thought it was an amazing moment on television.
1: Yeah, that was something we really had. To, we we worked at. But she was such a she was a really good athlete too. I mean, she she picked up things pretty quick. I mean, when she, when she uh, said to me, I, "I want to try that her her Karana off the top rope," I'm like, "Are you kidding oh, me?" Yeah. So, I mean, and of course, she's doing it to me, so I'm going to protect her the best I can. I, I'm the only one she's ever done to over and over again. Because yeah. <laughs> remember, something? we had to travel to do house shows together. Every night, and so every night she's powerbombing me. She's doing the, her hurricanrana out the top rope, and the, every town is going crazy over her beating me up. So,
0: <laughs> I, I always see online um, like wrestling fans of today—they're they're no. so fucking critical of shit. And I always see whenever they talk about Sable, they don't give her the credit that she deserves. I honestly, when I was watching back then, I was like so invested. And I thought when she actually finally wrestled, I was like, wow, like, look at what she's doing. She's before her, like, there wasn't really any women's division. They brought back the women's title because of her. I just feel like she deserves a bit more credit for the fact that she only had a certain amount of tools, but with your help and with Jackie and Luna's help, she. She nailed it every time she went out there live on pay per view. She nailed it,
1: yeah. See, I, I, I definitely give her credit, man. She did a great job for what she had to work with, and um, you know, it's something that we always look back and and uh, hey, we're undefeated at WrestleMania, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We got our own streak, it's yeah. one.
2: <laughs> hey, you can take that and leave it. I eh? like you might as well just take the one and just leave that, leave it at that. Uh, no point. Uh, Yeah, Kyle, back to you.
0: All right. Um, So I I wanted to just say this quickly. You've spoke about the Brawl for All before. We don't need to go into it. We know what happened. But um, I want to know how you felt when you saw Bart Gunn drop JBL.
1: Um, You know, at the time, I never got along with JBL. He he was just not, we were not friends. Um, I didn't respect him I was I was glad when they when they told me they were bringing me back into the brawl for I get to fight him I was really excited about it because I didn't I didn't like him at that time yeah and I gotta tell you guys I think he's he's just an amazing friend now I applaud him for what he does he helps so many people and um you know we all go through stuff in life man you know yeah man (laughs) I i tell you, I'm I'm just so honored to be his friend now and and Praise him when I see these amazing things that he's doing, building um, these places. And I think it's in Haiti with with water. Oh, that's and right.
0: Tools. He does that stuff. Yeah, yeah. He does
1: some really cool stuff, man. And uh, so for me, you no, know, my heart is for students and and and, and people that are less fortunate. Um, he's aces in my book. I mean, <laughs> now it's, it's like I, I never liked him, but man, if if we ever see each other, we, we we talk on Twitter every once in a while. But if I ever see him in person, it's just a big hug man just yeah looking back I don't, it even, mean, I don't even i don't even like to think that i would i would think that way, but you know uh butterbean you know he he's a friend of mine i mean i i i we did a um uh a, a, a pay view together the uh, strong
0: man, a, contest or a man contest
1: and quick funny story about that was that. Uh, Butterbean, he's a sweetheart of a guy, he's like a gentle giant, you know, and so he's really kind. So in the, in the, in the match was, um, I think it was second or third round, I, I hit him over the head with a stool, and uh, the stool <laughs> shatters in pieces, okay? So underneath the ring, there's two stools. There's a stool that you pull out for me to sit on in between rounds, and then there's a stool that's gimmicked where it just shatters in pieces it's all taken apart and put together just enough to where I could hit him with it and it will shatter where he could take the bump without getting hurt Well what happened was um, my trainer Ray Rinaldi was in my corner and he inadvertently handed me the wrong stool the the, the hard stool that was not gimmicked okay Aww. so I'm like boxing gloves on you know so I can't really grip it really hard you know so I come down and think it's going to shatter all over <laughs> and it doesn't even move if you watch the replay then I had to hit him again and finally just the, the top of the stool comes off uh-huh. the whole round and so that night we went out to dinner with with Bean and um, uh, he said hey Mark you know man I, that stool I got a big gash on my back of my head <laughs> he goes that, that really hurt I thought it was supposed to break in pieces and I said it was. goes, "Oh, shit! God, something was wrong there." <laughs> um, but he's a tough guy, man. He's a tough guy. Absolutely. He, he could punch. I mean, he would have knocked out. Cool. He, he could knock out anybody. You know, he's he just if he hits you, he's gonna knock you out.
0: He could. Oh man! I saw him hit bot gun and it looked like. Well, yeah, our freight train. Um,
1: yeah, you know it's it. It, it was kind of sad because Bart Gunn was finally going to get his due. You know, he's yeah. one of the toughest guys out there. You know,
0: they and, set him up for failure. Come on, I mean that's know, not fair. Yeah,
1: you know, see if you, if you look at my my um, my brawl for all match, I never really even got hit. Um, the, the, the 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 scenario was is you know I've had I've had fourteen surgeries. I've had. Uh, five shoulder surgeries and five elbow surgeries. so I never had the speed or power I did when I was a boxer and plus I remember I was a boxer at 175 pounds now I'm a bigger guy I'm not boxing anymore so I didn't have the snap or punch that I had but I but I still had no one's gonna really hit me my 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 peripheral vision was really good where I'm not gonna get really hit solid you know Yeah. yeah so if you look at any of those matches no one ever really even hit
0: me you know it was just the takedowns, and you're wearing boxing gloves, right? So how are you supposed to defend yourself? Yeah, so it was really <laughs>
1: frustrating. But, but as you know, the, the match with um, with JBL, it went all three rounds. They called it a draw, and then we had to go one more round, you know. And then they gave it to him. And uh, and you know, at the time, I was upset. But you know what? I know I would have had a better chance with any of the other guys, especially Bart Gunn, because I, I I don't think Bart Gunn would have ever connected solid with me. He wasn't fast enough to really hit me. But, you know, that's all water under the bridge, you know. It's yeah. like this the thing we did. And, you know, the thing was is that um, being a kind of a tough guy and not afraid of anybody, it's like when Vince called me and said, we got this idea, you know, <laughs> brawl for all. And it was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, so yeah. like, I was going. But, you know, if you really look at it, you know, think about all the guys that wouldn't do it or didn't do it and I don't want to name any names but there's a lot of guys that knew it would ruin their career forever you know absolutely
0: and I saw I saw that episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring and uh A lot of the people on there were like bagging Vince Russo. It was such a terrible idea. Everyone got hurt. Vince didn't know everyone was going to get hurt. They're all incredible athletes. He probably thought that this would be fine. And that's the thing, what he said as well. And I just thought it was a little unfair for everyone after the fact to be like, oh, it was a terrible idea. But... When the brawl for all's taking place, and you know it's a sellout at the little TV screen backstage. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thought it was a good idea at the time, but then after the fact, they want to bag him out for it. and I just don't think that's fair.
1: Yeah, well, you know, eventually it's got to go through Vince McMahon before it ever gets put on television. So you know, if if it was such a bad idea, Vince McMahon would have never allowed it to happen.
0: And Absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, I want to take a quick sidebar, and I just wanted to ask you, we ask everyone that was in the WWF, did you ever witness or were victim to an Owen Hart rib?
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) I love that guy. Uh He was a a, a good person, you know, a family man. But I got to tell you, the rib he did to me and Davey Boy Smith, okay? I'm (laughs) wrestling Davey Boy Smith, and uh, we, we go into the locker room. We're the only ones in this particular locker room. And all of a sudden, we hear the door, the, the, the door shut. And like heard like a lock. Yep. And we're thinking, what the hell? So we, 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 could, we just continued talking, not thinking nothing of it. And now it was time to get ready to, to go out to the match. <laughs> and um, we go to the door. and The door is, we can't open the door. <laughs> Owen padlocked the door. Oh. He padlocked the door. Now, and Davey is, if you know anything about Davey Boy Smith, he's like, that if and if and if and if and, you know, and he's just going on and on with his British accent so mad because now my music starts playing. Oh, my music no. I got to walk out to the ring, he's playing something like, Oh my gosh. And we're begging Owen, please, Owen, open the door, open the door, man. And, uh, uh and Davey is furious, you know, now my music runs out. In other words, they oh. played the whole song, they start playing it again. And now I'm freaking out and <laughs> I'm like begging Owen to open the door. So, uh, someone else came over and opened the door for us. And, I run out to the ring and it's like you know, the, the announcers in the ring like where the hell have you been you know anyways we have our match and everything and after the thing we 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 find Owen we're, we're pissed we find Owen and he's like what are you talking about and then later on he admits it but it, it was just typical Owen he just could put you in a really bad place oh. but it was hilarious when you look back on that
0: I I <laughs> <dead, I'm, laughs> I bet bulldogs. like, it's fucking Owen. It has to be yeah. fucking Owen. <laughs> oh, he knew it. He knew it. And that's exactly uh, the, the, what he would say. Like,
2: oh, oh good
0: man. Um, uh, I, Jack, I'm not really sure we're at in, the, in our question here, but I guess <laughs> no, I, what, I do. I right, do. You know, Sorry. I'll
2: take, you it from take you. over. Cool, bro. Yeah. So, um, at, at what point did you start feeling like you saw the writing on the wall uh, with wanting to leave the WWF, and how did you go about quitting the company? Oh wow, well, you know, guys,
1: uh, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but I, I actually had three years left on a around around four hundred thousand dollar contract cool. at that time. You know, remember this is 20 years, 20, 20 years ago. You know, that's a lot of money back then, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a lot of money now too, but <laughs> but I, I had three years left on a guaranteed contract and I walked away. I remember after um, the last trip was a was a um, um, a UK uh, tour and we did a, we did a pay-per-view over in the UK and it was flying home and I just remember just saying to my wife uh, let's just quit we're done and we we, right. we finished it we, we, we stopped we never went back and then I went on to um, I went to TNA for a little while I went to XWF wrestling they had Hulk Hogan started wrestling in, in this organization we for that, that was short-lived and then we went to uh, uh, TNA and um and that was it that was my last yeah. match i think it was in 2006.
0: right um i wanted to scale back quickly and just ask you about how did you go about quitting the company did you just call vince and say that's it we're done or
1: well there was a gosh guys i even talking about this is like kind of eh, just bring, bring back bad memories but oh. my ex-wife oh. um sable wanted to sue them because it was for sexual harassment uh, some of the guys cut a hole in the wall and looked into the, the girls' dressing oh, room. Really? And,
0: stuff.
1: Fuck. And, and, and it was really a, a bad scene, you know? So she, you know, she drew this lawsuit, and then I realized, man, last thing I want to be is around people that I'm going to be hanging out with that with my ex suing them, you know?
0: Yeah, I so got
1: it. It was just a, just a, a family decision to say we're done. And we uh-huh. both went on and, and um, just went on with life, you know? And then, then, uh, she she decided later on a year or two later can a year two years I can't remember but it was I think like, it was
0: two thousand three maybe
1: yeah we we left in ninety eight or ninety nine and then all of a sudden she said to me what do you think of me going back to wrestling and I said what are you what are you crazy Vince would never have you back and she says well I called him and I was like shocked called Shit, him yeah. yeah and then she went back it was it was I was uh, I was a stay-at-home dad and uh, but you know what that's that was her she missed that 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 the limelight her passion and you know sometimes you don't realize what you have until it's gone and yeah. apparently it's something she really wanted back and uh, you know and God bless her I mean she you know she met Brock they fell in love they got married they got kids together and man I wish him nothing but the best that, that and, and that's that's how you get on with life. You don't live with yeah. bitterness, resentment, or unforgiveness. It's like locking yourself in an emotional prison. And the only one that can set you free is yourself. And it's, by, yeah. it's with forgiveness and just moving on. And, and, and I've been blessed in my life. I never would have never would have become an inspirational speaker. I never would have had this this incredible ministry champion of choices. I never would have been able to do the things I've done if, if I would have remained in, in that marriage. So it's, you know, I, I say that if I ever saw her again. The only thing I could ever say to her is thank you. you know, I have yeah. no, no animosity. I,
0: I, hey, I interviewed a great
1: daughter. We got a great daughter. <laughs> a great daughter you know,
0: yeah, that's, that's cool, man. I interviewed Lodi from WCW and his, uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, uh, he can't help people without having going through hard times to be able to teach them. So I think that rings true with what you're saying here. Um, oh, I, I wanted to, um, quickly ask you about negotiations and what they were like with WCW in 2000. And is it true that you didn't sign because you had some nagging injuries?
1: Um, in 2000, I think that's, they brought me back and they were doing something with tank Abbott. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 They flew me in for a one, one night thing. And you know what? It, it it just, I've had so many surgeries, you know, I mean, it's incredible that, um, you know, through, you know, wrestling, people say wrestling is fake. I said, well, maybe so, but gravity is real.
2: Okay. (laughs) exactly. And uh,
1: so it wasn't as important to me to get back in there and take all those bumps again and stuff. And, and now guys, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm in, I'm 60 years old now. I'm probably in one of the best shapes I've ever been in. I mean, I, I have a, personal trainer I I work out I eat really good I'm really healthy but even now it's like I wouldn't want to go in and take bumps and you know it's like why mess up your your body like it's too easy to get hurt when you get older and a lot of these guys that try to come back end up getting hurt or or messing themselves up and it's just not it's just not worth it man
0: yeah fair enough um no, i not. did want to mention quickly about your little time in xwf i watched a match with you and norman smiley earlier um <laughs> uh, you look to man. be you were back and you were real lean i mean this is like 2001 2002 you've been out of the ring for a couple of years but um how did you feel it was getting back into the ring at that point because like I, I was like wow you look so uh slim and, and lean and you really got yourself in some great well, shape.
1: It was weird about that, as they, they wanted me to do the Johnny B. Bad character. But now I got short hair, no mustache.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't like Johnny B. Bad, so it was a, it was a little strange. But yeah, I was in, I, I got myself in really good shape. I felt good in the ring. I felt agile and, and uh, comfortable. Uh, and you know, whenever you, I've always been the type of person. That whenever I do something, I really want to do it well. You know, so yeah. if if I ever did get back in the ring, I'd really want to be in great shape where people go, man, he looks good, you know, he still can do this or that, or, you know, and I, in my mind, I can still do a shooting star press off the top rope, you know, in my mind, <laughs> whether yeah. my body follows
0: me or not, that's yet to be seen. <laughs> um, Jack, we got a few more questions left, Jack, if you want to take it away.
2: Yeah, um, so before we wrap up the wrestling side of things, just got a couple more questions, then uh, we're going to go into the uh, motivational speaking. So yeah, I just wanted to, uh, this one was uh, just based on what you said before about the uh, sable turning around in two thousand three, saying she wanted to go back to wrestling. Two thousand and four, you reprised your uh, Johnny B. bag gimmick in TNA. Uh, was this one something you decided to do to end your wrestling career on a higher note when you exited from the WWF? I was obviously unhappy uh, with the business. No, I don't know if it's really ended that a happy note. Um,
1: Johnny B. The Kid, like I said earlier, that was it was my favorite character. So you know, what what better way to go out than than being the old Johnny B. Bad character? Of course, cool, But I was never like thinking that um, Marvel Mark or Wildman were so bad. You know, I I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. You know, that's that's yeah. the thing when you look back in your life, like all the paths I took, good or bad, ended up to where where I am right now.
2: Exactly. And
1: it couldn't it couldn't be a better place.
2: So. With all that being said, do you have any regrets from your time in wrestling whatsoever?
1: you know I don't live with regrets, you know because but if I had to say anything, it would be that I would have treated people better. Yeah. you know I would have been a better person and and maybe you know, my mom used to pray for me all the time <laughs> because I was getting a lot of trouble and stuff, and she always prayed that she knew the man I would eventually be, and I believe that her prayers finally came true I mean i really try to treat people you know they say treat people the way you want to be treated i actually try to treat people better than i i want to be treated you know i really want anybody i meet especially now in my life you know we're all going to leave a legacy you know my legacy is not going to be you know what i accomplished in wrestling or how nice my car or house was or something like that yeah. or How much money i had it's going to be the difference i made in someone else's life and you can't make a difference in someone else's life by being rude or narcissistic or, or mean or cruel or whatever, you know, and I want people to that that meet me or know me to say, man, he's a really good guy, you know, he really cared about me. And, and I do care. And that's what's different. I mean, the greatest commandments that we have are love God and love people. And I, I do both.
2: That's right. Yeah. I and mean, that that brings us to pretty much what uh, fast forward to now um, with the motivational inspirational speaking, I uh, have what, what brought you into that? And how did you get into that?
1: it was you know it was such a fluke kind of um was in after wrestling ended i i ended up becoming a personal trainer at, at a gym you know yeah. and and, and I, re, I remember that and there's nothing guys please don't take this as anything bad. There's nothing wrong with a personal trainer but people perceive it like what happened to you you know like people yeah. come to the gym and go oh my gosh mark merrill's here what are you doing here i said well yeah i, I work here and they go what do you do i go I'm a personal trainer yeah really like it was like almost like you fell from grace you know now obviously i bad financial decisions divorce everything that happens in your life you you end up you know in a certain place so of course i'm not making a lot of money but what happened was my clients that i was training they were getting the best results in other words the before and afters were like incredible you know similar to what ddp does you know it's it's like i really took time and motivated people inspire them and they, they the, the amazing thing is they they seen how much i believed in them but the beautiful thing was to watch them believe in themselves so anyways to make a long story short my trainer my, my client kept growing and growing and i couldn't take on any more people so i eventually bought my own gym and i hired trainers and they trained my type of training and we had this amazing gym well i bought the gym in in 2007 and Um, All of a sudden, I got this phone call from uh, Melbourne High School. They wanted me to speak to their football team, you know, about drugs, don't do drugs, you know, and stuff and steroids and stuff were big in the high school and stuff. So I went and spoke to the kids and, you know, never really thinking much about it. But the kids started writing me and said, man, that really inspired me. You changed my life. And I was like, wow, that was so cool to know that something I said or from my past experiences helped somebody else. Well, that school happened to contact another school. We had this guy here that really inspired our kids. You might want to use him to talk to the whole school. Awesome. And one school called another, and next thing I know, I'm going all over the the state of Florida, I'm going all over the country, and all over the world. And it just, this this now starts my 14th year speaking at schools. And we're doing, we're starting off virtually because of the pandemic we're all in right now. But until schools will allow
2: uh, full assemblies,
1: I'll be just doing virtual stuff until until that happens.
2: So, how does all the virtual stuff work? Uh, do they all sit in sort of an assembly hall? Uh, you're there on the webcam with them, and you're speaking to the entire school. Uh, I don't know what the situation is in. in yeah, well, uh, United you know, States.
1: that's a great question. It's just like what we're doing right now with Zoom. A lot of them are using yeah. Zoom, and you have like hundreds of kids on these on these Zoom calls because some of them are, are home. They're being yep. uh, they're being virtual schooled. Oh, and um, so we've been doing it that way. We just did one last week. Where I was like 400, 400 students, and you know the thing is, like I'm talking to you guys. Um, I'm looking into a, uh, my my camera. I could see I could see both you guys, but when you have that many kids, you, yeah. they they don't have you seen all these kids. So you're basically just looking at your your laptop computer, you know? Yeah. And you don't you know when you're live, you see the emotion, you see the tears, the laughter, you see kids hugging, you see high five, and you see all these cool things, you know, but when you're just looking at your laptop, you're wondering, are they even listening? Are they even getting yeah. it, you know? And you're doing this powerful, emotional presentation, you know? So the other day, um, you know, I, I did this big presentation and we got the feedback from the school. The The principal said that the students said the best part of this, this uh, Youth Leadership Institute was your presentation. They gave you five out of five stars. So oh, wow. to know that, I, was, I made a difference, even virtually, was, was a great thing because uh, we want to do more of these, obviously, and especially with what kids are going through right now, guys. I mean, there are so many kids that are so depressed, the isolation, the loneliness, the, the suicidal thoughts these kids are having because of, of, of what's happening in their life right now, the uncertainty, you know. I just want to bring them hope. I want them to know that this too shall pass, you know? We've all been in some tough situations in our life and the, 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 the human mind often goes to the worst case scenario. We always think, oh my God, you're not gonna believe what's gonna happen, you know? Instead yeah. of, why can't we think a better case scenario, like we're gonna get through this, there's gonna be a, a vaccine, school's gonna be back in session, uh, whatever a positive thing may be, you know? And that's why I wanna bring hope. I, wanna, I want them to know that it's gonna be okay, you know? I know, you know, some people have it a lot worse than us, you know, but guys, I, I look at you two guys, you look really healthy. And I think about that. There's someone on a ventilator right now who may not wake up tomorrow. We yeah. are so blessed. We have a roof over our head. We have food in our refrigerators. We have, a, you know, running water. We have so much to be thankful for. But often we take advantage, we take for granted the very things in life we should appreciate. And especially the love of our family.
2: Yeah, absolutely. that's right, man. That's uh that's it man that that's what it's all about Pretty I think much. it's um i think
0: it's important at this stage jack to talk about anti bullying um and jack would you be able to tell mark about your experience being bullied
2: yeah no definitely um so for a lot of uh people that do uh, know this watch this or listen to this podcast know me very personally um so being a this is Actually, it's it's a pretty ironic situation uh, for the reason I was bullied and then talking to a professional wrestler. So being uh, such a uh, big, big professional wrestling fan growing up, um, everyone that knew me as a child knew I loved professional wrestling. And um, obviously, you know, how kids be in high school, uh, early high school, so let's say uh, year eight and nine in the United States. Is that a freshman, junior? I'm not too sure um, how it all works, middle school. I'm not yeah, sure. What, what, what age were you? I was... 13 years old would, yeah that's that's like
1: a eight, eight, eighth, eighth or ninth grade here
2: yeah, yeah so it's just um uh it was a very it was probably about a three-year period from about 2011 to 2013 So it's yeah, be about three, two, three years and i was at this uh i was at one school and it was uh constantly all the time uh, it'd be on social media uh whether it would be um, posting on um, a wall or it could even be something is like yelling at me in the canteen whether it could be like wrestlers names wrestling's finishing moves which is, just sounds so stupid when you look back on it because someone would be yelling you know rko out or 619 or whatever because you know again 22 so when we were all growing up uh the ruthless aggression era was kind of what we all uh all were watching as kids but um the reason why this campaign hit so close to me was uh not only was i going through a lot of the bullying stuff myself due to my interest in say pro wrestling also me as a person as i, uh, I was very skinny um there was someone that was uh, at our school as well who we took her own life uh, in 2012 um and she was got 13 13 and a half, 14 years old and uh for someone to be sort of exposed to that uh to that sort of thing. And, um, you know, be taking their own life at such a young age, because, um, you, you know, at 13, 14, you know, we shouldn't even really be thinking about, you know, suicide and, or, and even sort of any mental health uh, sort of um, issues that people might be facing. And um, it was very cutthroat um, in, that, in that environment. So that's, that's why I felt like your, your story hits, your, and what you're trying to tell to these kids at school, hits very close to home, because I was going through it very, very aggressively years and um plenty of fights you know plenty plenty of fights and just yelling out in class people throwing stuff at you whether it would be pens or you know just 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 being an inconvenient and to go through that and then to sort of see what you were uh the videos that you're posting online as i was trying to say earlier tonight um i felt like it was very fit not only fitting uh, it was important that we um, have this sort of conversation on our podcast, um, being sort of a victim of uh, that sort of situation myself. So I do commend you very, very much for um, sort of trying to spread that message to all those kids in the school, because I know how it feels firsthand. And, um, you know, it's, it would suck for a lot of those other kids who are still going through those things it, today. It does suck,
0: dude. It, it completely sucks, you know. Mm. When I was first a wrestling fan, I was in primary school. This is 1998, 1999. Wrestling was cool, so you didn't get picked on for it. But when I was in high school, uh, it wasn't as cool anymore. So because you like wrestling and you like watching men in their (laughs) trunks wrestle each other, apparently you're gay. So you get picked on and you get told that you're gay and and all this stuff. And it happened to me a lot too. Like, I don't think I ever told any of you guys guys this, Jack, but uh, like, you know, they they picked on me because of that stuff just because I was a wrestling fan among other things i mean i was very skinny too i mean i'm not skinny anymore but back then i was picked on a lot because of it and uh and when 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 someone's being bullied they end up bullying someone else exactly because right. they, yeah. they 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 got to uh i guess they got to get it out of their system the way that they're being bullied they got to like make themselves feel bigger so they pick on someone who's even weaker than them so that's why as you're saying this jack mark what you're doing is incredible and bullying is so horrible and it 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 shapes people's personalities because this is during a time in their life where their brain is still growing and they're still becoming a an adult they're on their way to becoming an adult and and when you have these uh horrible situations take place it really uh it messes with your brain when you're when you're trying to mature.
2: Definitely.
0: Well,
1: guys, I wanna just say I commend both of you guys for um, understanding and, and having empathy and, and sympathy for other people that are going through it or have gone through it. Your stories mean a lot and, and it's funny how you meet someone that that you share your story and they, they feel like they're not alone. They feel like you understand what they're going through. The the, the situation we deal with, with a lot of kids that are bullied, see. You never know what someone else is going through in their life. You don't know if their parents just got divorced, if they lost a, a loved one, if their pet died, or something happened in their life that's traumatic. And all of a sudden you tell someone how ugly or stupid or worthless they are, and they just don't care. They just they feel like they don't, they don't matter anymore. And, and that's where we see a lot of these kids that end their life in are way. Like at 13 years old, you shouldn't be thinking about killing yourself. You yeah. have your whole life out of you. And one of the things I, I, I share with students is that you know there was a time in my life my depression just overtook me. When, you know, divorce and loss of loved ones and everything I was going through at that time, financially broken. Oh, just knowing I once had it all and now I lost it all, and I just didn't want to be here anymore. Every day when I wake up. I look up and I am so thankful I didn't hurt myself or take my life. I never, I never would have known all the beautiful things that were to come. That's Just right. like the people that I, I share this with, you know, that they don't, you have no idea the great things that are going to come in your life. The best chapters of your life are about to be written. But you yeah. have to realize that you are the author of your story. And every day you can write a new page. And those new pages, they become your new chapters. Chapters like overcoming adversity, never giving up. You know, making your dreams become your reality in life. And I look back and I think about all the things that have happened now in my life I never would have known or been blessed with the friends I've met, watching family members graduate or or be marriages or whatever it would be, you know, that I I got to see and experience. And I really, I still believe that my my best chapters are still ahead of me. See, you want to live with hope. You know, you want to live with. The rest of your life is going to be the best of your life. Not thinking that the best days have passed. Who wants to live like that? Nice. It's like that we're, we're, I want to always believe that something better is going to happen in my life, you know? And that's where a positive attitude comes in. That's why our minds are so powerful. I mean, you you, you, you know, like I said earlier, that when, we, when, when, when we're depressed or worried about something, we often go to the worst places. And when you look back on your life, you go... Oh, it wasn't even that bad. Cause we always just think the worst thing's going to happen. And often it doesn't, or the words are never Definitely. as bad as we envision them to be. Yeah. So I, I thank you guys for, for, for talking about that.
2: That's uh, very true. Cause I, I look back on that, uh, that sort of period of my life. And um, so the experiences I've been through since um, the last three years of my life haven't been so great. Um, you know, uh, and here we go, full disclosure to everyone that listens to this podcast. I lost my mother two years ago. Um, and all that sort of things like that. So there's been a lot of uh, situations uh, over the last po- couple of years that have made me sort of uh, look back in the time where I was just getting bullied in school and that was the worst of my issues. And back then I treated it like it was the end of the world, like, oh, my life is going to be ruined because I'm getting bullied in school and all these things. And I think it's very important just stick it out. I mean, look, it is what it is. I mean, and it, it sucks that this stuff is happening, but and the best thing you can do is is try to teach these kids that it's not right, and that there is another way to just, to just just don't be that sort of person. Is essentially what I'm trying to say. And, um,
0: and once you get out of high school, Jack, you never see any of those people exactly again. Right. You never Actually, see them again. They, they, you know what? You know, they're, they're out of your system. You
2: know what's very funny? What happens? It's,
1: it's realizing that you're not defined by their opinion. You know, and yeah. I tell these kids, they don't base your limitations on what other people think or say. You know, we, we tend to care so much about things that matter so little. How yeah. many likes did I get on my social media page today? <laughs> what are people saying about me? You know? Yeah. I, they don't even know you, you know? They don't yeah. know the amazing person you are. They only know from what someone might have said about you or what they read or, or something like that. You know what I mean? It, it's it's sad because, you know, you, I get a lot, you know, as, as much as the positive stuff I get every day, there's always something, something that says something that's mean or or, or rude or whatever, you know? And guys, now in my life, I, I I actually pray for that person. I said, maybe they're going through a really hard time. Maybe something happened in their yeah. life that they feel like, like you mentioned, you know, bully people, bully someone else, you know? And 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 I don't take offense to it, you know? And often many people have said, or, have wrote something mean or bad about me have since got, got to know me and said, man, hey, I, I said something about you once. I, I just want to say I'm really sorry or something. That's like, yeah. are you kidding me? I don't even think about it. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, of course, I'm ne- never going to hold a grudge against somebody. But, uh, you know, what, well, guys, it's, it's getting through it, but it's, um, it's paying it forward. It's helping someone else get through it because, you know, it's, it's, I always tell people, you know, do for, do for them what you wish was done for you. Or, or maybe was done for you, you know, and that that always helps. But guys, you guys are you're, you're over in Australia. That's one of the places I've always um, I right. always dreamed about coming to.
0: You need to. People. The 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 kids. I, I you sure need to come up. We were they so need
1: close to it. doing a tour with you guys, and it fell through at the last moment. And I hope they they reconsider doing it again once we get through this pandemic and kids are back to a normal uh, place in life. Because I would love to come there. It'd be great to meet you guys too, man. That'd be awesome. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. It'll be be awesome to get you like in touch with uh, some of the schools around here as well. Um, Hey,
0: I I used to do uh, work with the education department here in in our state. So, um. well, if you have any
1: connections, please uh, tell them about us. Have them go to our website. Um, You know, it's been you know hopefully that like I said, we we could get through this this pandemic and and we'll get back out on the road again but up and now we're just doing stuff virtually. And we built a really cool studio here in Florida that we're doing the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, shows out of now, which are pretty cool.
0: Cool, Mark. Awesome. Um, and before we finish up tonight, I've got a little segment called Five Second Frenzy where I just want to learn a little bit about other things that you like in life. Uh, you got, got five it. seconds to answer each question. It's just like your favorite whatever. Um, right. So number one, Five second frenzy. Your favourite musical artist?
1: Wow! Oh, five seconds. Um,
0: Aerosmith. Oh. There you go. <laughs> uh, your favourite TV show?
2: Uh
1: oh God, I don't watch TV. We're not
2: even recording. I mean, oh, recording my favourite TV watch.
1: show. Um, oh,
0: gosh. Maybe when you were a it's kid. It's
2: a hard one, isn't it?
1: Oh my gosh! Yes, I. When I was a kid. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Happy days. I <laughs> think it's a
0: really good show, though. It is. Uh, your favorite film? Favorite
1: film. Wow. Um. Oh. Gosh, these are tough questions. because You know, you see so much now. That it's hard with yeah. five seconds to really think of something.
0: Oh, you know, uh, it's yeah. okay. You don't. You don't need to worry about the five seconds. We yeah. just like to say that to pressure people. Oh.
1: I, I think the uh, the Mel the Mel Gibson movie um, Resurrection of Christ, I think it was called.
0: Or the, the oh movie. right, yeah. It uh, was powerful, man. I still it haven't like seen it. I should watch that.
1: Yeah, it was a really powerful movie that just makes you realize realize what Christ went through for us. And,
0: and Absolutely. Through. Um, you're thirsty. What's your favorite beverage when you're thirsty?
1: Water. I drink water all day long. Straight up, <laughs> just straight up ice cold water. There <laughs> we go. Water. Very
0: nice. Uh, uh, what's your favorite food, Mark? Favorite food, chicken.
2: Nice. Respectful.
0: Okay, your favorite female body part? Uh,
2: <laughs> we had a lot of interesting
0: answers. My
1: favorite answers. female body part? <laughs>
0: I eyes
1: eyes are nice yeah we've had eyes
0: before so i'm not surprised i I back that
2: i like that's i love eyes man
0: yeah Yeah, yeah. my girlfriend's eyes are
1: amazing you can see kindness in eyes you know and, and empathy and compassion and you know when you talk to someone it's like how their eyes react whether it's they water up or they cry or or just laughter you know whatever yeah i I get
0: you that was the first thing that i noticed about my girlfriend uh she has these cheeky eyes and that just sold me straight away uh uh, and look i I, i'm sure you don't have an answer for this one but um your favorite curse word
1: my favorite curse word um i guess i'm gonna go with uh i'll take i'll steal one from ron simmons (laughs)
2: damn <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome Mark. awesome
0: thank you so yep. much mate uh, no, you awesome. guys are
1: great man thanks for having me on your show and, and and god bless australia man i know you guys are experiencing your own difficulties and just pray everything works out take care guys
0: me too yeah. thanks mark and um before we go i just want to say to mark you should be so proud of everything you accomplished in wrestling, my friend, and and not just that the entertainment that you gave to guys like me, but what you're doing now. You, this world is a better place because Mark Miro exists, and I just want um, you to know that we uh, appreciate you. God.
1: And if you guys see above my my head my head this side here this side here, that's yeah. my little boy Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> that's my roommate right there, Rocco the Wonder Dog.
0: I love it. Oh, he's cute. All that. right,
1: guys, take care, man. Awesome. God bless.